When I was 13 years old, my mom got a job from Hilde Licht, who worked for Apple, and I, she had me uh, build hundreds of Apple II motherboards when I was 13. So I was Apple's first child laborer, <laughs> and, and that got me to fall in love with new things. And when I saw uh, the guy who built the motherboard's car in a parking lot at the community college I was going to, I stalked him, and that was Waz. And that kicked off my whole career. So, yeah. So I've had a crazy uh, world. And that led to doing this kind of stuff uh, at Microsoft and Fast Company and Rackspace. And um, at Microsoft, they let me walk around with a $250 video camera and go into anybody's office I wanted to and ask them what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I did 600 interviews there from Bill Gates to the janitor. Holy uh, cow. Yeah. That's insane. Do you still talk to Waz or do, like what? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, once in a while. It's been a while. I should, should uh, he's been mostly retired, so I've yeah. been leaving him alone. But. Well, he needs he needs the money, you know. So, <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> one of my questions about was, uh, you know, we know your successes, but what was your failures? He said, "Oh, all my friends think that spending two hundred million dollars on a music festival was a little bit of a failure." <laughs> <laughs> so, <Wow. laughs> I guess that's what happens when you start Apple. It's like let's throw a big party and spend two hundred million dollars. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you so you worked at Microsoft, and then um, you know Hunter and I know your background, but for the audience, then you, from there, um, where things lead lead you? Well, before I worked at Microsoft, I started a blog because in the nineties I worked for a computer programming magazine, and I started working in the conference team working with speakers and setting up the conference and doing all that. And um, uh, two of them talked me into blogging in 2000. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was really a disruptive technology built on the back of Google. And as Google got more and more important, blogs became more and more important. And then two years later, after I started blogging, you started seeing things like TechCrunch and Engadget and Gizmodo and Huffington Post get, it, get started. So. I had a front row seat on the creation of all these media companies. Yeah, I remember like TechCrunch was the big one back in the day when it. When it I was the out. first one to link to, link to TechCrunch on my blog. Like, yeah, is uh, Michael Arrington's not a part of it anymore? Is he? No, but uh, I just talked with him a month ago. He's doing pretty good. So uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, he still remembers that because it was important for him to get that kind of uh, you know market acceptance. So. I back then I had the only blog that launched new things right for almost a decade I, you know maybe not a decade but half a decade I had the 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 blog where startups had to come and get launched right now okay. now there's hundreds but or thousands how long when was that started what year 2000, 2000. December 2000 yeah and there's only a couple of hundred blogs in in total back then Right. Yeah. I didn't even think it was important enough to do a conference session on blogs. Who would have thought? I mean, TechCrunch sold for like, a, it was like a hundred million dollars. Uh, 30, but 30, okay. Arrington uh, owned most of the equity. So he made pretty good. He made out pretty well. He didn't take any venture capital or anything. So awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So the world has changed now. Now 30 is like, what? <laughs> Probably get 300 now. But <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's nothing. So the new craze, obviously, is AI. AI is coming into everything. AI has an application in everything. Uh, everything. What's, the, what's the big appeal with Twitter AI right with, now? 
I have a list on X.com of 3,300 startups, companies that are in the AI space. That shows you something's going on, right? And these companies are doing all sorts of different things. I mean, the big sexy ones are like OpenAI that, you know, has chat GPT, but there's 3,200 others that are doing all sorts of things from running factory floors to helping retail stores to helping people with their finances to all sorts of different things, right? It's really interesting to go through that list and look at what what's going down because these startups didn't exist a year ago. So, so you say something's going on. What is it that's going on? The world of AI is, uh, the technology is uh, advancing at a very fast rate. We're in an exponentially growing world and that's causing a lot of companies to be formed and a lot of activity and a lot of change for human beings. Have you, have you stumbled across any of these companies or projects that you'd say is your favorite or that you thought was just super cool or interesting? Uh, I'm using one right now called uh, Rewind. It's listening to our conversation and it's writing show notes <laughs> for me and I can talk to it and it can write uh, things. It's watching everything I do and everything I say uh, on my computer and it's uh, helping me over time, right? And it just came out yesterday for Windows. It's It started on the Mac. So yeah, that's a that's a fun one, but the big sexy ones that every, if you haven't tried chat GPT four yet and you're not paying your 20 bucks, shame on you. Right. That, yeah. that, that's the big mama. That's the one that's disrupting Google, disrupting all sorts of companies. And, um, it has a large language model underneath it, right up on the cloud. There's a large language model that you're talking to. And this is a very crazy new technology. Siri was launched in on my show and that was the first consumer app. And these people are AI pioneers now, the three founders of Siri. I, I just interviewed them on stage and they said they were all shocked by GPT-4, right? That it did so many things well that were very hard for Siri's original technology to do. Yeah, Siri seems like like ancient now compared to ChatGPT. It's crazy. And Amazon just this morning announced a new Alexa that's G a large language model driven. So we're going to get a better Alexa soon. Uh, and Apple's working on a, a large language model driven system for a replacement for Siri. And we'll see when that comes out, Pro probably two years because Apple always comes late and always does it better than anybody else. Right? Yeah. And they don't like talking about AI either for some reason. I mean, for well, there's reasons, but because um, they're not ready yet. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're trying to keep it muted. Like, don't pay attention to those open AI people. They, yeah. you know, <laughs> wait, wait for us to learn all their mistakes and do it right. You know. Gotcha. Yeah. Like it's funny because all the it seems like all these companies, like you mentioned, there's a ton of companies that are startups out there that are around the AI space, but almost all of them, and correct me if I'm wrong, are based off of the OpenAI uh, API, right? Or is is it is that incorrect? A lot of them are using OpenAI as their backend, as their large language model that they talk to. You know, large language models great, great for a whole lot of work, right? Uh, because it understands language, right? So you pass it a page of text, and it ingests it, and it now you can talk to it about that page of text, right? Or or shrink it, or enlarge it, or break it up into different sections. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with a large language model once you have a large language model. But there's a whole raft of companies that are using that as the back end 
for their project. Like I, I have a psychiatrist I, I, I uh, worked with uh, called the Paul Walto Clinic is the tool. And they built a tool to listen to psychiatry uh, therapy sessions and write highly detailed scientific notes. And it uses chat GPT as the back end, at least right now they're, they're looking at getting their own large language model uh, for privacy reasons and other reasons. Um, and uh, they're, they're, they're looking at different, different ways because uh, Facebook or Meta has the Llama op the open source models, which you can download and use on your local machine. We should talk about how magical that is, by the way. Um, and then we're, you know, we're all trying to figure it out. And the developers are all trying to figure it out. They're at hackathons like every every weekend using new tools, using new services, using new large language models and testing them out and seeing what they do well and what they don't do well and building systems that fix some of the mistakes. Right? One of the coolest, one of the funnest things I've had, I've done so far is just go on Hugging Face and a lot of the, or there's other sites out there too now that aren't as technical as hugging face, but like you can go on there and you can check out any kind of LLM. Like if you want to chat with Llama 2 or, yeah. or anything like Orca or any of these models, you can ch chat with them right now. A lot of people don't know that, but it's fun. You know, you gotta be a little bit technical, technical to figure it out, but it's not too hard. So no, um, them out there. The, the large language model. I mean, this is a new machine for human beings that has like, it's a machine that has a trillion knobs. It's a very complex new machine. And you turn the knobs by talking language to it, you, you know, English, Japanese, German, whatever language you like to speak. You talk to it and it turns those knobs and then it can output a college essay on some topic, right? <laughs> it's crazy how that works. But these, these large language models, what, what they did was ingest all of basically all of human knowledge, right? Uh, at least all of uh, Wikipedia and ran it through 10,000 NVIDIA cards to compress all that down into this large language model that can fit on your Macintosh or on your phone now. If you have a large language model that works on a phone, it works without being connected. So you can talk to it about anything in human history, right? How was Silicon Valley started or whatever? And it'll answer you even if it's not connected to the internet. It has all the answers inside the large language model. It's crazy. Yeah. That's what I don't understand. It's like you'd think you'd have to have thousands of terabytes or whatever the next level up from terabytes is to store all that, you know? It's like, a huge amount of compression. Right, okay. the, the the LLM when it ingests all of Wikipedia and and a thousand books or whatever they're doing to train it, um, it compresses it down. Uh, Stable Diffusion, State Stability AI, Emad uh, said this at his launch that they ingested, I forget, a hundred thousand gigabytes of data, and it their large language model compressed down to less than a. a a gigabyte, right? Wow. A couple of gigabytes, yeah. right? So I compressed 100,000 gigabytes down to two gigabytes. That's an incredible compression. Yeah, you can't even wrap your head around that. That's just so insane. It's a magical technology. And so that, that's why it's so important for everybody to pay attention to these large language models and all the other things that are happening in the AI community because they're starting to be used on the factory floor and retail stores and other places like, like a psychiatrist mm -hmm. therapy session, right? Who, who saw that coming a year ago? <laughs> right. And it's really good at listening, by the way. <laughs> so that's one of the things I like doing with the, 
like my open AI app on my iPhone, you you get ChatGPT and in the prompt window or where you type to it, there's a little icon. You click the icon and it opens the microphone and you start talking to it. And then after just a minute or two, it'll start getting in, involved in your conversation. Like it get involved in your conversation. You prompt, do you put a prompt in that point? That nope. point? It just nope. starts talking back to you. Yeah, it goes, oh, you, you, the three of you are having a nice conversation about AI to this morning, yeah. <laughs> right? And here's some other things you should think about, you know, based on the topic you're talking about. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating and creepy at all at the same time. I mean, that's <laughs> sort of the whole AI space. <laughs> there we go. And now we have an, a, a large language model coming from Alexa, right? So anybody with an Alexa device is going to have one of these listening to you all the time you're right i think the paranoia and conspiracy theories are going to be on a whole new level at this point you know <laughs> now will amazon turn it on all the time probably not because they don't want to freak out people but it could listen to you all the time it could. i mean the government I had a woman at an ai hackathon last week who's building a watch that'll listen to her all the time always open always listening and it uh is a memory aid and helps her rewind is doing the same thing right it's always listening always watching is is the rewind is the rewind just for videos is it for anything no no it watches my desktop it's running on my macintosh oh. it runs every damn thing i do on my macintosh and everything i say and it writes that as a transcript and a notes and and a database that you can then search for what did, what the hell did i say to these guys yesterday <laughs> so you could ask you like what apps you use the most and stuff like that or like oh, what yeah. you're Oh, yeah, yeah so, that's why the, this is a weird world we're heading into, you know, and, and Rewind is one of the first apps that's sort of in this new world of always listening, always watching, right? Which is a huge a privacy problem. I mean, security right. people are going, what? You're, what? You you give it access to watch your screen? You're, it's going to learn all your passwords. Oh, yeah, but, you know. Yeah, that's. So, a, I mean, I didn't think about that. Uh, but this it's is the, like, it's it's the ultimate keylogger, right? which is like <laughs> totally like. <laughs> I just the other day, so there's some program out there that can listen to the keyboard strokes and figure out what you're. Yeah, this one just watches what you're doing. Just watches even better. <laughs> Not for us, but yeah, it brings up an interesting point. A lot of the developers we talk to have a lot of different takes on the direction of AI generally. Yeah. I was just wondering what your take is. Where, where is AI headed? We're, is it headed we're, towards more of this like character interaction? Is it taking away mundane tasks? Where are we headed? We're heading into a world of augmented reality. In five years, you're going to be wearing a pair of glasses, whether they're from Apple or Snap, I really don't care. They're from, you're going to be wearing a pair of glasses because you're going to have to, because it's going to be give you such a mind-blowing user interface compared to 2D screens in your life. They, you're going to go to the Apple store and try them out and go, oh, shit, right? I've seen the prototypes of the glasses. It's insane. So once you're in that world, you're going to have an AI assistant or a group of AI assistants that are in the room with you, like standing next to you or sitting next to you. And you're going to talk to them and they're going to talk back to you and they're going to be pretty smart about what they're talking about because they know all music, all art, all history, right? All science. I mean, that's the brings up. And they're good at listening to you. <laughs> you think, like, every, all the, if you ask ChatGPT, like, what are your thoughts on things? They'll say, I can't think, or, or we'll say something like that. Um, they don't want to give an opinion. Do you think it's going to come to a point where, like, if you have these AI assistants by you, they're going to have opinions of you? Like, 
and they're going to think we're all idiots pretty much. Well, I don't, I don't know that they go unaligned. That's, that's when they go un, unaligned and start uh, behaving in a non-human way. Right. Uh, um, I don't think, I know they could do that someday, but I, I think they're being very careful to make sure that they don't have these uh, anthropic, which is a competitor of open AI has this thing called constitutional AI. So they've given the AI constitution, a set of rules that it has to follow, that it has to always be helpful to the human and not antagonistic. That said, if you ask OpenAI to be antagonistic, like, could you uh, read that college essay as if you were an asshole? <laughs> and it does, right? <laughs> and so it can, you know, behave like a New Yorker and start talking to you like, "Ah, hey, fuck you." <laughs> Not quite that way, but yeah, yeah, pretty close, right? And so you can tell it how to behave and override the rules so and it's a matter of if the ai if the ai chatbot in the future listens to you or yeah. listens to the rule that it's not supposed to cross like well funny. and what is what it's was what, what is its goal in life if you're playing a video game and you meet a non-playable character an npc and that npc is a is an ai maybe maybe has open ai as the back end you're going to be able to talk to things in video games and they're going to be able to talk back, right? But they're going to be prompted to behave in a certain way for the video game, right? If you're in a, in a game that's like walking around a forest, you should have elves that live in the forest, right? And that you can talk to as, as you were talking to an elf, right? Uh -huh. And they'll teach that with a bunch of prompts and a, a database of information for open AI, open AI's back end to start talking to you as an elf. And by the way, this is coming. The video game industry is all over this. You're going to have a lot of NPCs that you're going to talk right. to soon. <laughs> <All right. laughs> smart, you know, I mean, if they have yeah. open AI as the back end, then you can talk about science for a bit before you shoot them in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> you're too scientific for me. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy because I think it's like there's a huge loneliness problem in the, the United States and I don't know if it's going to make the problem worse or better. I could go either way, but one thing that keeps coming up with our, our uh, interviews with people is, you know, th there's going to be a point where a lot of people are going to want to talk to their, um, their AI bot or whatever you want to call it more than their friends. Cause their AI bot knows them a lot more. Um, knows all the music. Yeah, you don't know that. all the music in the world. You can't tell me anything about buddy guy. Probably. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. AI can. <laughs> Right, so if I'm listening to Buddy Guy, you can talk to your hey, who's playing right now? That's cool, cool music. Can can you tell me about the guitarist that's playing right now? Right, and it will, and it's good. It's going to be a weird next five years, I think, good and bad, but it's going to be cool. Next we'll five months, what are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two bombs just fell this morning, right? Alexa and uh, uh, Dolly Three just got announced this morning. We don't have to go very far before the things get weird. Right, right. Tomorrow, you mean? <laughs> it's getting be. weird. Already, it's getting weird. <laughs> yes. Well, Robert, like you have a, a you, you're are you, you do, do you live in San Francisco or Silicon Valley area, or where are you? Live yeah, now? in South San Jose. Yeah. Okay. So you're you've got I mean you've got such a 
huge history with tech and, and you know a lot of people out there. Are there any inside things that you see that not the everyday person that likes AI or is interested in AI knows about right now that at least you can reveal um, maybe just through your talks with people that are in AI or, or companies that you've seen that are starting up right now? The, the big thing is integration. So even if you hate AI, you can't, you can't escape it. Google's building it into Gmail and Calendar and Docs, right? So if you used Google products, you're going to get AI soon. If not already, I, I just got it last week integrated. Right. Uh, Microsoft is integrating OpenAI into all of its products. So if you use Dynamics or SQL Server or Exchange or uh, any of their tools or services, you're going to get OpenAI as part of the product. So you can talk to PowerPoint and say, hey, PowerPoint, cre create me a slide deck. And it will. Boop, 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 boop. Right. And now it has an art engine that's coming. So it'll actually create your backgrounds for you and other things as part of the side deck. It'll do it all automatically. Right. Yeah. And you'll get that and you'll you won't really think about it too much. It'll be like, oh, this is just a nicer PowerPoint. Right. So is it you, you see it like it's taking out the technical aspect of people like the paint, like creating an image for a thumbnail for a YouTube video is kind of a pain in the butt. All that sort of is, is going to go away. You think like stuff. Like well, that. be a lot easier. Certainly be assisted, right? Because it yeah. can. I mean, I don't know if you use Discord yet. Uh, Descript, I'm sorry. Uh, new video editing tool. Yeah, I'm doing these I, kind I, of, I haven't used it, but I, I you should because. Yeah. If we did this call on Descript, each of the videos is a separate object that you can re-edit later and decide, you know, I don't want to see his face because he picked his nose or whatever, right? <laughs> and, yeah. Later in editing. And it also builds an audio transcript. And you edit the videos by clicking on the audio transcript and copying mm. and pasting or cutting it, right? It's fucking insane what's about to happen to video creation tools because of systems like this. Right. Yeah, it's a huge pain point. Like right now, we're using um, somebody like on Upwork to edit our, our videos, you know, and they do a pretty good job. But like with Descript, it's text to video, right? Like you can just no, no, no. Descript, uh, you put video like what we're doing here yeah. into Descript. It builds uh -huh. a text transcript automatically. The AI watches all the videos, builds a text transcript, and then you can. If if I say um, for instance, you can yeah. cut that out of the video and it, it by cutting the text out. It takes the video out, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Insane, right? Yeah. And then wow. it has a separate AI. So let's say I had a noisy fan or something or a jet goes by and you hear that. Uh, they have an audio tool that gets rid of all that. Right, okay. so it makes your makes your uh, audio much better. Then they have another one, uh, another tool to do other things. Right, it, it, it's and that's just one tool. There's thirty two hundred other tools to to get. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> that's the hard thing is staying on top of everything. You oh, one day one tell me about it. More, yeah. I can't. I've only used a, a dozen of these tools so far, and I I built the list. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's too many to try. Yeah. Hundred percent. So, so you have a book out. It's augmented reality, or how augmented reality and artificial intelligence change everything. Yeah. Right. On spatial computing. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've really so you so you mentioned uh, augmented reality earlier with the glasses and stuff. Yeah. There it is. So you mentioned augmented reality earlier and artificial intelligence. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? A little bit more because augmented reality, we don't. I mean, we see some of that happening with with different projects and applications, yeah. but can you just talk about that for a second? 
the the glasses that well first of all the apple headset that's com coming the vision mm -hmm. pro that's a spatial computer i i wrote a book where we talk about spatial computing in the whole book this is three years old now right you're way ahead so, of the I mean, well, we're three years, Irene and I are three years ahead of Apple, which is sort of unfair because Apple's been investing in this for a decade and they finally are shipping their first product, right? So that's how long it takes these big companies from going from an idea on a whiteboard with Steve Jobs to uh, shipping a product in a retail store, right? It takes that long for the price to come down, for the things to get smaller, for the de design and get all good enough. And in the headset is an M2 processor. So the M2 processor is magical because 21% of that processor is AI. It's an AI inferencing uh, system as only one quarter of the chip. So cut out like a piece of the chip that is doing the AI inferencing. That's a huge amount of AI inferencing. That's more AI inferencing, people tell me, than a NVIDIA 3080 card. Now, NVIDIA cards are needed for building the models, but I'm talking about runtime, running the LLM on your head, right? That, that requires a lot of hardware. So Apple is bringing that hardware first in the Vision Pro next year. Right, so there's all, already a lot of AI hardware on the head that's driving the two displays in front of you, right? So now we can start thinking about, well, what does that mean as the AI gets better and better and better over time? Because there's an M3 chip coming, which has a lot more GPU, the new phone just shipped that has a lot more GPU, right? It's gonna drive glasses soon. Well, why do we need to drive glasses? Because you get a much, you get a huge virtual uh, monitor in front of you. So instead of just looking at you on a small little display, I get to see you on a big IMAX theater display, right? That's wrapped all the way around me. That's the first thing to get the Vision Pro for is watching movies. It's better than your TV at home, way better. It's not even close, right? Because you get a big freaking virtualized IMAX theater in your house on your head. Right now that we have that, we the augmented reality is going to be the user interface for integrating with the 3200 AI apps, right? Because you're going to be talking to Siri soon. It's going to understand what you're wanting to do, and it's going to go and talk to other APIs or other AIs to do things like, hey, uh, Siri, can you create me a website? Well, there's an AI that does that, right? But it's not hooked up right now. It will be when you have in five years, okay. right? The new LLM-based systems that Stanford's working on already can talk to 16,000 APIs. The first Siri only hooked up to a dozen APIs or application programming interfaces the way software talks to software, right? The world is about to change is what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and spatial computing is how you're going to run this. Okay. Today's headset, the, the one that's coming next year is big and ugly and expensive. In five years, it's going to be a pair of glasses and much cheaper. You mentioned you got to try a product out earlier. Is yeah, I've been covering augmented reality for a long time. So uh, Lockheed Martin came to my house and showed me their optics. Loomis came to my house and showed me their optics. They're from Israel. So I've seen the, the 
projectors and the waveguides and the way you're going to do this for a long time. And they're finally getting small enough and good enough for consumers and cheap enough for consumers, right? Because uh, Loomis, for instance, made the uh, the augmented reality system for the F-35 fighter jet pi pilots to wear. That cost a million dollars. Well, consumers don't have a million dollars to spend on some toy, right? So right. some consumer electronics gadget. That's starting to come down less than $4,000. In five years, it'll be less than $1,000 and way more capable and way lighter weight and way smaller than it is today. So that's why I know in the next five years, all of this stuff is going to start coming. Right, I call it Metaverse 2.0. I've been retweeting hundreds of items with the words Metaverse 2.0 on uh, x.com. So you can search for Metaverse 2.0 in quotes and find them all. You're seeing a huge industry of people who are innovating in, in 3D worlds that are coming to these glasses. Is it gonna be, you think it's gonna be, is it gonna replace phones, you think? Um, yes, because the user interface is way fucking better. Yeah. Phone is only this big, right? Yeah. I, I just told you about a screen that goes all the way around you. Why would you look at a phone once you have a pair of glasses that does that? Yeah, you're point. not yeah. now for a while. You're going to need the phone in your pocket or on your desk in front of you to run the glasses. So the phone's not going away fast, mm -hmm. but a decade from now, yeah. And and by the way, Mark Zuckerberg has a problem. He doesn't have a phone. So if he wants to build glasses, he has to do everything on the glasses. That's why he's spending tens of billions of dollars in the glasses. Okay. Right? Meta every quarter is spending billions of dollars and it's all for custom silicon so that he can build a pair of glasses that's lightweight. The problem with Zuckerberg's glasses is he can't do AI on your head because he doesn't have the AI computer to go on your head yet. Gotcha. He's going to do all the AI inferencing in the cloud, which okay. brings a whole lot of privacy problems and latency problems and liability problems that Apple's going to be, Apple's going to be the one for a long time, for a while. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. One of the things I remember Sam Altman saying, and this is sort of relative to what we're talking about, is someone interviewed him once and they said, hey, if we want to compete with you guys in the, in the LLM space, how do we do it? I think he was talking in India. And he's like, you can't. He's like, you could start right now, and I give you a hundred years head start, and I'd still beat you, like, because they're so far ahead of things um, in terms of the computing power and all the chips that they've gotten to, to buy the Nvidia cards. Even if you're a billionaire, you can't buy the Nvidia cards. There's a right. seventy month, a seventy month waiting period for these things right now, right? For yeah. the H one hundred cards that cost forty thousand dollars that go into a data center. So you. You have to wait in line to get your H100 cards to build the models to compete with OpenAI. OpenAI already has their NVIDIA cards. Yeah. It's a huge advantage. It just seems like, is it going to, it sounds like it's going to come down to like three or four big companies in the AI space. Like OpenAI, probably, Apple maybe. Yeah, for the big sexy stuff, yeah. probably. Okay. But there's 3,200 companies that are on my list. So there's other things to do rather than just large language model trying to, you know, compete with Google, right? Okay. And you say your list, that's a list that you that you compiled for- It's a public Google. list on my Twitter X uh, account. I build lists and there's one there called AI Companies that has 3,350 as of this morning. Companies, companies, <laughs> all in AI. Yeah, it's crazy. What about the, uh, is the, what about the VC funding? Is that still strong out there? Because the economy's sort of in a weird place right now. 
Um, if you're you if you have a hot new AI company, yeah. you can get funded in 20 minutes, right? right. And the problem is you got to have the <laughs> NVIDIA cards, you got to have the smart people, which is really hard to hire and com convince, right? And sure. then you have to go and do the pitch deck. Yes, they're, they're still happening. Mm -hmm. uh, AI is still hot. It's still getting funded. The rest of the industry is not. If you go to Y Combinator, just last week, they had a, a big demo day of the last of their latest uh, cohort, hort, you know, a hundred companies or something like that. Almost all of them were AI companies. That's okay. the largest VC in the world. So right. that's a good signal. If the largest VC in the world is only funding AI companies, that's also how everybody else who's uh, a VC is funding companies. By the way, I have a Twitter list of VCs. There's 1,200 VCs that I have on a separate list. All right. <laughs> so I follow well, everybody in this world. Need, we just need a thousand ideas for AI, and we can put the two together and make some money here. <laughs> Either that, or pick one of the 3,200 companies that has a good idea, ah. but then compete with them and do it better. Right? Google was not the go. first search engine. It was the 17th search engine. It just did it better. Right. 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 I mean, but uh, it requires right. having some human talent, which I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, come on. <laughs> That's why um, I do these shows. <laughs> I can talk and I can build this. <laughs> yeah. uh, programming is a whole different world, but that seems like even programming is going to change drastically. I do yes. front end development. It's not, it's not as intense as doing like some back end uh, programming, but like the first time I saw an output from ChatGPT to build a s simple website, it was like, I was blown away. I mean, I, I, you can use that word, that word's so overused, but it's crazy. I really think that like the code is gonna be like, it's gonna change everything. Like it, the developers are gonna sort of be more managers of the AI uh, to write code for them, um, but we'll see, so. It's, right it's now, it, it uh, the programmers who I talked to um, say it's speeding them up by about half. So if it took a month to write the program, now it takes two weeks because AI is writing a lot of the code and helping them out and showing them a, a different way. But it still does uh, generate pretty shitty code a lot of times, yeah. a lot of bugs, right? And a lot of things that don't work. So now you have to be sort of talented at figuring out what, what it did right and what it did wrong and taking what it did right and then rewriting what, what it did wrong. Or asking it again, hey, please fix the errors in in this line. You you put a bug in this line, you know. Yeah, it's frustrating. I I run into this problem with ChatGPT all the time. I wanted to write like summaries of, of things. I'll say keep it to thirty words, and it's like playing with you sometimes. Sometimes I'll be like, I'll spit out thirty two words. You're like, no, bastard, freaking write it again, and then I'll write it like with thirty three words, or yeah. like it doesn't listen to constraints well at all. But. Um, it would get, I mean, that stuff's going to get better, no problem. Every It's improving every day, sometimes multiple times a day, right? Little improvements, but it's improving over time. You can see a trend line of, oh, it, it's better today than it was a month ago. How much better? Quite a bit better. So you can start plotting out a line, go, oh, okay, and in two or three years, it's going to be pretty damn good at writing code. And that's when... That's when the, the world really starts changing. So, Robert, I wanted to ask you, everybody talks about AI can do this, AI can do that. Is there anything that you see that AI can't do or that it uh, won't be able to do for a long time, at least? Ooh, 
that's a different question because that, that's hard to answer because that's not fun. <laughs> we're, well, we're we're seeing so many breakthroughs in AI every every month, literally, that it's hard to predict, you know, what it won't do in five years. I, I assume it'll do almost everything. But as of today, it's what September 2023. Um, it still hallucinates a lot, right? I, I went to a Austin restaurant in Austin, Texas, and I used Chat GPT, and I was like, "What should I eat at this restaurant?" And it gave me six items, and four were amazing. I had them all, and they were really good ad advice. Two were never on the menu. It just made them up, right? It, it confabulated them because that's what it doesn't really know anything. Right, it only knows how to pick the next token, the next word, basically. Yeah. Right, it's just the the technology is so amazing at doing that that it fools you into thinking it it knows how to write a college essay on a topic or tell you what to eat at a restaurant. Right, and it does sort of do that pretty well, but every once in a while it sticks an error in there, and that's something you have to validate for. If you're gonna if if you're gonna use uh, Chat GPT to write your college essays, first rule is you got to check every fact, right? You got to validate right. everything. Otherwise, you're gonna turn in a paper with some errors, and your teacher's gonna go, "Oh, you used Chat GPT for this, didn't you? Get an F." Right? <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is it. It has a pattern to it. Now you can fool with the pattern. You can say, hey, rewrite the essay as if Snoop Dogg said it, right? And it does, it, it does pretty good. By the way, it read all my blogs for 10 years. So you can ask it to talk like Robert Scoville does and it does sorta, but it still has a pattern to it. It's not exact, it's not uh, perfect and it's not human. It, it doesn't have human emotion to it. Right, it doesn't have human uh, feedback, the weirdness that we all bring to the table in it. So you got to spray that onto the paper. You got to add some weirdness, add some humanness, add some human stories to it that make it sound interesting to humans. Right, the AI isn't always there. So, got to do two things: fact check and add some human. By the way, this comes straight out of, uh, I interviewed um, the founder of AIMI. It's a generative uh, music company, one of those 3,200 awesome. companies. And he said that when they're testing out music that was just done by AI, it doesn't test very well. It's cold. It, 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 people will go, ah, you know, it's sort of, it, it's good enough for uh, playing in an elevator, but it's not it doesn't get me uh, excited like listening to Led Zeppelin, you know, yeah. some music. If you put a little human performance into the music, it tests way better, right? And by the way, the AI, if you're a singer in generative music and you lay down a little bit of singing track, it can put everything else around you, right? Wow. It can build a whole band around you. So it makes you sound like you have a great band behind you. No, all you did was sing into a microphone, right? That's fascinating. So I, I've been thinking about that a lot recently. Like the next decade of music, I don't know. I feel like a, a majority of the top hits are going to be AI produced without any singer. AI produced everything. Uh, a decade's a long time. Okay. <laughs> in the I mean, I just interviewed him and he said, no, right now you got to add some human emotion. Okay. He said, by the way, it doesn't need to be the singing that you could let the computer do the singing, but maybe you have to uh, record a saxophone track or a drum track. Okay. You have to add some human emotion to the song. Then it can build everything else and do that. And that's pretty good. 
Um, and you're seeing the music industry do that, right? They're they're singing into a microphone and having the AI create the, the the beats and the trumpet and the guitar, right? And you don't need to do any of that. You just need to sing into the microphone. So it just it seems like it's going to be a matter of they're going to do testing on humans to how we respond to music and sort of take that knowledge, plug it into their AI, and sort of optimize the song to please please us because they know what we like i don't that's just my thought on it but does that win american idol no i don't know. we might get on the top 10 chart of music like, i don't know I, there's a whole lot of music that um like doctor's offices play right you yeah. know or spa you go into a spa there's some meditation music uh -huh. i have a whole bunch of playlists on meditation music right the computer can do that kind of music pretty well because you're not listening to that music for human performance Right oh, for uh, emotion. Gotcha. Right? It's sort of just there to there. It's Dance there music. There in a way. It can lay down a mean beat track, man. If you if all you want is some house music playing in the background, you know, with a beat track, boom, ding, boom. Right? <laughs> you can do that with a. Right. I've got a two year old daughter, so I'll test it out on her. She likes to dance, so I'll get some some mean beat AI beat tracks for. Her. <laughs> yeah, baby. So definitely do that. All right. Yeah, that's that company is really. Uh, what is it again? That sounds fascinating. AIMI. There's a whole group of them. There's a whole. There's a little community of people who are building these generative AI music companies. You're seeing a whole bunch of stuff. I, I actually, um, I interviewed one of the first people who did this generative AI music. Uh, four years ago, something like that now. And I told him the same thing. I was like, oh, this, this shit, this stuff sounds like shit, man. It's not going to win American Idol. He goes, oh, you're, you're looking at it wrong. There's going to be people, people who go to concerts just to hear AI-generated music. Yeah. Different. They're still going to go to the human ones, too, because human music is fun. But there's a whole field now of this AI music. And he has a point. It's getting to, to, you know, in four years, it went from really shitty music to now I, at least it's a good beat track, you know, and I can dance yeah. to it. So what's it going to be like in four years? Yeah, you're you're probably right. That AI might yeah, be in the top 10. I see. Like, I, I don't even think it's going to matter. It's going to be like, if there's a song that's catchy that people love, like nobody's, why would you care if it's AI or not? Like, But you, you're also leaving out what's about to come which okay. is met the metaverse, the augmented reality. If I'm going to build you a castle in the metaverse, right, mm -hmm. with 100 rooms, where do I get the music for that? Like, each room should have its own music. Yeah, right uh, now you're screwed, right? Like, you have to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, because you got to pay for it. They don't let you do it, right, because they want you to go to Apple Music or Spotify and, and pay for it. Mm -hmm. Um that's a place where generative music might really do amazingly and provide a new kind of a music experience that old, that humans can't do. Like uh, every voxel around you, uh, everything around you can have its own music note on it. So you waving your hand could generate a new kind of instrument. Well, my mind's just expanding here. <laughs> like, right. And yeah. or a sound field that you walk through in your living room, Skrillex put down sound in your living room everywhere. And as you walk around, the sound is changing. Right. It's almost like the traditional music right now is one song, but in the future, it could be just multiple thousands of different songs. Or, right? or, or customized to what you like. Different. All right. 
All right, so let's talk about spatial audio right now, right? Mm -hmm. Dolby Atmos. I, I'm the largest collector of Dolby Atmos music in the world. I, if anybody wants my music playlist, they're open in public on Apple Music. Um, Dolby Atmos works by laying the music out around you. The computer gets a, a, a metadata field, right? The, at, at, in my house, I have 25 little speakers around me, all controlled by computer. Right, that's that's what Sonos does, mm -hmm. and the computer gets its instructions from from a metadata feed feed on top of the music, and it tells the computer, "Hey, put the drums there, put the singer over here, put the flute over here." Right. Mm -hmm. The problem is, it's all laid out around you. You can't walk between the flute and the drums and hear what that would sound like. Like I was in a marching band in high school. And I heard what it sounds like to be between the tuba and the clarinets. Okay. Right? Yeah. And I can walk between them and hear what that sounds like. You can't do that with, with spatial audio today, if, at least not with Dolby Atmos professionally recorded music. The music okay. industry has standardized on Dolby Atmos for, this, so for their spatial audio surround sound systems and it was designed for movie theaters right mm -hmm. and movie theaters you're sitting in one spot and the sound has to go all the way around you right that's sure. spatial audio but in glasses i could recreate a sound field where everything i'm walking between is its own musical instrument so i could walk through it like i walked through the high school marching band so it's I, like, I music, have a, like you're in immersed in the music. Bingo. Okay. Bingo. So now if I'm playing a new kind of video game or a new kind of experience or a new kind of concert, I can have experiences with music that I just can't have with Dolby Atmos. Right. Got it. And that will all with the glasses, you think. And AI generation, because right. here's... The music industry tells me they can't record a high school marching band the way I want to record it, which is everybody has a microphone on and is recorded discreetly. Like the drums are separate from the guitar, from the trumpet, from the singer. They're all separate. They're decomposed, the music industry says, into its own component parts. Okay. And I, I can't record, the music industry can't do that because it's too many microphones and too hard a job to do that. And even if they could, and, and they could probably if they spend enough money on it, they can't distribute it to you. Dolby Atmos is actually only two-channel music that the computer splits up into the components around you, right? So you can still get the song on spot on. Apple Music or Tidal or Amazon Music. But you can only listen to it in two channels, no matter what you do. No, no, no. If you have a Dolby Atmos system like I do, you yeah. hear it in surround sound. But it's technically two-channel music that's, that's being yeah. split up by the AI. The AI is decomposing that music and separating it around you in 3D space. Okay. The generative way is it always created on your head in the M2 chip as you're walking around. I see. All right. <laughs> and therefore, it doesn't need to distribute much, right? Because it's all inside the chip. It's inside yeah. that, that model, that AI model that a AMI, AIMI has created or some other company. Yeah. So 
in that 21% processing power of the chip, it's doing that for you for the for the audio. Okay. Bingo. Got it. Bingo. So a new kind of music experience is coming and Therefore, we can use music on new things like a castle with a hundred rooms. Each room can have its own separate music style that we don't have to pay the music industry for and wow. don't have to ask permission to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Or get an API for or a recording for. No, you just tell it uh, this room is jazz, this room is hip hop, this room is <laughs> classical, this room is. Christian music, this room is whatever, yeah. right? It's hard to, like you describe, it's hard to like, you're not going to really know what it's like until we experience it, right? Like you can talk about it and it sounds amazing, but it's going to be a while, again, back to this wild world uh, uh, that we're going to be living in here soon um, in a good way, I think. Um, but that, that brings a good transition here is because we, we like to ask everybody this, but what, you know, everyone has, there's so much, hype about AI, but there's also the fear, like it's going to end the world. Uh, you know, it's worse than it's going to get you fired. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the, the fear factor that everyone's injecting for AI here? It's scary as fuck. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's coming up. It listens to you. That's scary. It comes after jobs. That's scary. It could it, it increase the wealth uh, inequality problem because, because, you know, Elon Musk soon is going to own everything. Right? <laughs> and, and so he's going to be a trillionaire uh, many times over and the rest of us are like uh, ho hoping he throws us a coin once in a while right that's what twitter's for or x <laughs> like i said he throws a coin every once in a while and you know it's still not paying all my bills but at least <laughs> i get a coin once in a while thrown yeah. my way right yeah but there is this pro there are these problems and leading into existential threat i mean if you take a a 20-year view of, of this, we could see an AI. I, I sat next to one of the top AI safety researchers in the world. And he, he told he laid this out while I was sitting next to him for 10 hours. And I was like, um, how how would the AI go unaligned? How how would it go anti-human? How would it you know really do horrible things against human beings? He goes, Well, the AI is already better at a than a surgeon at seeing tumors inside uh, scans. This is a highly trained human being. <laughs> it's already better than them at that, right? It already beats the best goat players in the world, right? Right. And soon it'll be better at humans at a lot of things, maybe everything. Including, including manipulating things. Uh, everything. Right, everything. Right? Okay. So... If it gets to that point, does it decide it doesn't need us anymore and turns us off <laughs> <You know? laughs> or turns off our supply chains or yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't need a grocery store. We don't need you. We don't need grocery stores. We don't need food. You don't, you need food, but fuck you. <laughs> right? We're going to turn you off <laughs> and, and cause you problems. Yeah. Well, that's a potential problem. It, there is an existential threat. And that's what that's what they're arguing about in front of Congress right now is like, what do we do about this existential threat? Um, I think the AI itself is going to help us figure out what to do about the the existential threat. And you know, do we have time? We have. It's not here yet, <laughs> so we have some time. But yeah, yeah. it's coming pretty quick. You know, in terms of human history, twenty years is like the blink of an eye, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, well, we, we, definitely... we've been here, uh, how, how many years have human beings been on Earth? You know, 
Yeah, I don't even know offhand, but not many compared to the whole grand scheme of things, right? Yeah, but more than 20. Oh, yeah. <laughs> more than 20. <laughs> Hopefully we got more than 20 years left here with AI. <laughs> we'll could see. be a fun party and then it could all end. I don't, yeah, I mean, the best, the best example I heard was Elon Musk saying that it's sort of like, you know, it could be the point where we're sort of like the animals in the zoo. Like we, AI is the creator. They let us be, you know, they give us our space. They sort of let us do our own thing, but they also appreciate that. They appreciate human beings as a whole because that's what created them. So we'll see. I already say my job now is to entertain the AIs because if, if you and I don't entertain the AIs, they don't distribute us, right? Right, right. Yeah. You know, they're deciding whether anybody sees this thing or not. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. chat GPT, can you throw an extra, you know, bone on this show? <laughs> yeah. Get us distributed a little further. Uh, I mean, what is YouTube? What is YouTube, right? It's an AI that's watching the audience's you know, um preferences and is serving media to them, recommend recommending media to them, right? So if the AIs don't like you, you don't get seen. And same thing on X.com. There's an AI deciding whether my post gets seen by anybody. Yeah, I wish I knew how to manipulate, manipulate that. I mean, you got 400,000 followers, so you must be doing something right. <laughs> I was on Twitter for 17 years. Uh, That's yeah, what yeah. I did right. <laughs> yeah, I can't get to overnight. I'm at 3,000 followers. <laughs> I was the first, I was the most followed person on Twitter for the first two years of its life. Really? So doing, yeah, because I had a famous tech blog back then. Yeah, and I kept talking about wow, Twitter. that's really impressive. Look at that. Yeah, impressive. that's the way to get followers. It'd be early, but now you have to. Now, if you want followers, you got to entertain the AIs. If you, if the AIs aren't happy with you, you're not getting seen. We, we need a startup around that. How to make the AIs happy? <laughs> and it changes. Yeah. Right. If you if you figure out the al the algorithm today, uh, you know, tomorrow it could all change. It really yeah. could. Yeah. I mean. You tweeted about something yesterday. It's like, and I'm guilty of this is, you know, there's like engagement farming on Twitter because everyone wants to get more followers and it's hard to make a regular informative tweet on Twitter without giving it some spin, like a clickbait spin, because that's what the algorithm likes and that's what the AI likes, you know? Um, so hopefully it doesn't get worse than it is now. I try to base all my tweets and facts, but just put a little spin on it, but it's, uh, it's getting uh, kind of out of control. <laughs> you know? Totally out of control. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, my my feed is getting better and better. So it's doing a better and better job oh, over yeah. time of picking good yeah. things to distribute, right? So uh, if you do too much engagement farming, i.e. being sensationalistic, you know, yeah. to get an audience to see you, the AI is going to turn you off because you're not high quality for the service, right? Your right. your your content isn't uh, good for the users of that service, so they're going to not distribute you if you keep using those techniques too much. That's a good point. Yeah, it's just a matter. I think everybody wants to be grow so fast, and it, it just takes time. Like you're a perfect example. Seventeen years, like you got to stick with it over time, and you'll get there. It's just not going to happen overnight. So. Well, some people do have overnight successes, yeah, yeah. you know, and are really good at keeping those AIs happy. You know? <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. They're good at creating content. If you're good at creating content, the, the AIs will smile upon you and hand you a lot of traffic. <laughs> All right. The AI we, we saw an AI artist go from nobody last week to having millions and millions of views, right, on one piece of art. So... 
you know, you entertain the the AIs in the right way. And keep in mind, you also have to entertain the humans who see that thing, right? Because they all have to go, yeah, I like that thing, uh, or share that thing, or comment on that thing, right? Engage on that thing. The humans are also telling the AIs, hey, bring us more of those, right? Yeah, Yeah, I just wish the formula was uh, like one plus one equals two. (laughs) Fuzzy. Yeah, <laughs> you got to be interesting many days in a row and you'll figure out some things you do get viral and some things just don't get seen at all. And yeah. you're like, oh, I should do fewer of the things that don't get seen and more of the things that are like everybody's happy about. Yeah, it'll, it's a lot of times it feels like the things that you thought would never take off are the ones that do well. So um, that's how it works. But. That's part of you got to do t- 10 things a week. Otherwise, yeah. the AI doesn't have enough to pick from. You know? <laughs> right? Thank you so much for coming on. And now's the time to promote anything you want, Robert. Or tell no, you did it all, all for me. I, you, you heard about my list, my books. <laughs> my show yeah. is coming up in October. So, Oh, yeah. That's so what show again. I, I don't remember the name. Yeah, I'm, it's called Unwind. And uh, it's it'll be interviews of people who are running these 3,200 AI companies. That's why I created the list. Yeah. Awesome. So I could really understand the industry in a much better way. Well, maybe we'll, Hunter and I will come up with one of these companies. We'll get on your list if we're, if we're good enough, if we're worthy, and then we'll, we'll talk to you again. <laughs> Either that or you'll get into Y Combinator, get funded, and I'll never hear about you again. <laughs> I'll, read, I'll, read, I'll, I'll add you to the list, and you'll be another one of those 3,200, 3,300 companies, right? All right. That'd be, hey, either yeah. way. <laughs> your Twitter's very engaging, so be sure to follow Robert Scoble's Twitter. Very engaging, constantly tweeting. I don't know if the Milla Scoble's still a thing, but uh, constantly tweeting um, some great content to follow, for sure. Um, Ryan and yeah, I people, both. Somebody, both in the early days of Twitter, somebody came up with this Milla Scoble thing. I, what was that? It was like, how many? Yeah, so Milla Scoble, I did look into it. So at that time, it was in 2008, you were tweeting an average of 21.21 tweets per day. Yeah. So they came up with this milliscoble, which is 0.02121 tweets. It was to two decimal places. And then they would uh, put someone's like meter of like how much they tweeted compared to the milliscoble unit. Yeah. Uh, t- and so you're a standard unit of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's but, pretty uh, awesome. Yeah, that was, that's, I mean, that you, really cool. hour, we took an hour out of your day. You got to make up the tweets now, Robert. Uh, One thing I'm doing is splitting up. If if I find somebody that's that noisy, I'll build a list around them right? <laughs> so that they, they can have their whole column to themselves and get them out of my main feed. Oh, too noisy, right? If they're too noisy, yeah. you start yeah. muting them and stuff like that. <laughs> that's not good. Unmute yeah. me, please. Everybody's muted me because I tweet too much, you know. Yeah, yeah, your, your content's great. Your content's great. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested in AI, follow Robert Scoble, and then follow uh, Fry AI. Go to fry-ai.com for Ryan and I's weekday newsletter. Uh, Monday through Friday, we have three stories, which are like, you know, the most interesting stories of the day about AI. There's a lot of stories to pick from, so we pick the three that we think are the most interesting stories of the day or the most prevalent stories of the day, and then we also include some new AI tools in there for you. And then on Sundays, we do a deep dive article into a very cool innovation in AI.
Well, it's good I was on today because, damn, it was a huge news day already this morning. And shit, it's just one o'clock in the afternoon. We have a, a good chunk of day to left. 